Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Blade, episode 109. I am your host, Chad Didimenesis, and joined by my two amigos, Bill Shockey and Anthony Chandra. Fellas, we have a 7-1-1 team on our hands. The first podcast in the season, I think we kind of talked about playing the parade. Uh, a couple, like a month into the season, almost here, I think we might have to start actually like laying out the plans for it now. So <laughs> it's, it's getting more real at this point. Yeah, I think last week I was actually getting uh, in the questions: should we be going down uh, Delaware or Elmwood? So <laughs> I think we're not too far off, right, of uh, deciding where where we want to end the parade. Does it uh, end at City Hall or the Key Bank Center? Yeah, I, I think City Hall kind of makes more sense, like Niagara Square, right? So it's kind of like... I would agree, yeah. Although you can put everybody in the arena and then have them like bring it into the arena. So I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. That's cool. It might have been on the same thread you're referring to, Bill. Uh, someone said, you know, the Sabres win the Cup and the Bills win the Super Bowl. Can we just merge the two parades, save some money? <laughs> <laughs> save some money. <laughs> yeah, honestly, if you have one parade after the other, half the people will be dead after the first one. <laughs> this, half the city will burn to the ground already. <laughs> you might as well just have it happen all at once. <laughs> I mean, the only guy owns both teams, right? So why can't he do that? Right? Just get it all done. Although the good thing is, the actually thinking about it, it'd be a different time. So I guess you really you gotta have two. One because one would be in the dead of winter. That that could be a nightmare. And like, what late February? And the other one would be in in summer. So. I don't know. Can the city survive the February one and then rebuild <laughs> by the time June rolls around? <laughs> At least you get what a, a five month hangover recovery. And then... Yeah, exactly. But it's not about the victory. It's about sending a message. <laughs> <laughs> if any, I don't know. If, if any team wins in this town, I feel like the city's doomed or in trouble. <laughs> We're going to start building nice things downtown. It's like the end of Bruce Almighty. <laughs> 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 Uh, all right, but it's the real stuff, though, the, the important important stuff here. We got a win against Dallas on Monday, two out of three on the West Coast. Although they won those two out of three games, I, I guess that they're, they were interesting because I'm not sure they played great in two out of those three games. We'll get to that in a second. And beyond that, you know, we have some goaltending has been played well again in those three games. So that's actually all four games uh, last week. So that's good to see. Uh, Darlene kind of continues to be. A talking point, if you will, we'll get into that. Uh, we're going to talk about the lines, kind of how they're going. And then, of course, we have the fan questions we'll kind of get to in the second half of the podcast here. But I, I guess we'll kind of start with the week that was. They won 
three out of four games this week. They looked four nothing shutout. I think it was against Dallas. They had an early lead against Anaheim and blew that. Los Angeles, they won three nothing, but it really wasn't a three nothing game, and they looked pretty good against San Jose. So I don't know. I'll kind of let maybe you guys maybe give your feel kind of where you're at right now because I, I guess overall, I mean, what they won three out of four. We can't be mad, but uh-huh. there's there's some things in there in the middle that are a little bit concerning, but. Seven, one, and one. I mean, that, that's pretty impressive where we're at right now. So let me kick this off because I'm sure you guys will have some underlying numbers that maybe make you a little nervous of the, the last four games or at least three of the last four. But I think I'm going to start with, you know what? They, they went on a tough West Coast uh, road trip. And, uh, I mean, I know the teams out there aren't playing great right now, but going out West is never an easy thing to do. And they start the West Coast trip off down, or up to nothing, blow a two-goal lead lose 5-2, to two, kind of got shellacked in the second half there. And then they come back, and, yeah, they didn't play great against L.A., but you you win 3 nothing. Carter Hutton plays out of his mind, gives you 47 saves. The team record, right, in a shutout. So, so yeah. And then you come back the next night, and, and you win again against the San Jose team. With, say what you want. I know what the record is. But, I, I mean, they're, they have some high-powered offensive forwards, and you got Carlson, and then, just again for them, they didn't take care of the Martin Jones problem. So uh, no. the Sabres pull out another one. Uh, so, I mean, for me, I, I think we were talking about, you know, get two out of three on the road. They did exactly that. You're 7 one one You're getting, again, for me too, Eichel and uh, the top line kind of disappear uh, in the second half of that road trip. And the uh, secondary scoring shows up. The, the Sheary, Middlestad, BC line played really well. Uh, I mean, they got some points at least for you. And it, that's kind of, Ted and I, we, we, we talked about that earlier. It's, it's kind of they're <laughs> for you guys to say how they're going to beat the numbers. They're kind of checking all the boxes here in the first nine games, and I think that's kind of what's important for me is you're getting some good goaltending. You're getting some secondary scoring. Gergensen's with the game winner Saturday night. Um, and and at the end of the day, man, you're 7-1-1, one and, one, and you're looking to kind of keep the ball rolling here and, dare I say it, just not have the wheels fall off again. Yeah, and you know, to your first point, Chad, we talked about this at the uh, Potathon. We we kind of there was a little bit of a consensus that the Sabers' first real big test of the season was going to be how they showed up for that road trip, right? Because you had at least two of those teams that are discernibly, I would say, good. Um, and, you know, Anaheim could be even better than that, honestly. Uh, but you know, it's it again, it's tough to be upset, you know, by really anything. I mean, they pulled out four out of the possible six points. That Ducks team kind of overwhelmed them. I mean, they came out fast. They were extremely physical, and, and I think. You know, that made me a little nervous just kind of seeing how they were able to kind of just overpower uh, the Sabres in that way. But everything else was was decent enough. You know, against L.A., they they really let up a lot of shots and, and took their foot off the gas, which I guess was by design, which I don't love. But, hey, if it's working, great. Um, they, they, they were still limiting, you know, high danger chances to an extent. So, you know, it's not that terrible. And San Jose, I thought they were kind of a similar team to Anaheim. They were fast. They were a little more physical. But I thought the Sabres played them a lot better you know, end of the trip. So, so I was very satisfied with that. And like Bill just said, again, I mean, with the Eichel line, not producing as much or, or not, you know, I mean, not to the same extent that, that, you know, they had been that secondary scoring coming up is huge. And that's something we just did not have at all. The last two seasons, it was, we were relying on one line to do all the, you know, all the scoring work. And maybe you get a goal from your second, third, fourth line at some point, but it's, it wasn't a regular occurrence. So you know, I think that's that's the biggest discernible difference from last year is that you have scoring depth now. You have balance throughout your lineup to, to some extent, right? 
And uh, it's not that the whole roster is just failing you in that regard relentlessly. And, you know, like, like Bill said too, the, the goalies have, have played pretty well. Um, you know, Hutton getting back-to-back shutouts and then, you know, Allmark held his own decently enough, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, uh, tough to be anything but, but happy with that trip. And, you know, they've got kind of a cakey schedule kind of coming up here. So I want to see yeah. them keep the ball rolling. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing, right? It's, I think Bill kind of mentioned a little bit. I'm not going to repeat too much of you guys said because I think you guys are all on point. There's a lot to be happy about right now, but it's, you know, it's keeping that going. It's not really taking your foot off the pedal here. We kind of, right. you know, like you said, there, it's kind of a, I mean, it's the NHL. Anybody can meet anybody any night, but I mean, overall, looking at it, it, it's a pretty easy schedule. I mean, you got some tr- some back to backs in there, but overall, I mean, before you head to Sweden, it, it's not that hard. So, Keep racking up your wins, and you know it's it just kind of keep going. I think that I think kind of impressed me the most is, you know, their their two losses this year in Columbus and um, Anaheim. They they backed them up with wins, right? Right. So they lose to Columbus, and I think what they end up winning three straight or two straight. I can't remember. And then they lose in Anaheim, and you backed it up with two more wins. You're kind of you're not letting you're not letting bad games seem to spiral or at least result in losing. So. Mm-hmm. You know that's a good thing. That that's kind of what you want. That's kind of what you see out of a out of a good team, right? It is you see you're gonna in an 82 game season, you're gonna have some losing streaks. There's no denying that. But it's you know it's maybe it's a two game losing streak or a three game losing streak, but it's not losing 15 out of 20, right? I mean, <laughs> that, that that's kind of where the difference is. So you know if they can keep that up, you know they they can keep going in the right direction. And I mean the coach has like got those guys buying into a system and buying and buying into the way he wants them to play and it's working so far so i mean there's there's really not a lot you you can be upset about and, and even bill made a good point i mean it's a lot of the stuff we talked about before the season started there it's happening right now i mean again it's only what are we at now eventually we're going to say it's only x games but you know for now still it's only nine games so you know we got to get on continue to see how this goes but you're getting a lot of those things as bill mentioned to kind of what you needed to have an improved season is happening. And you know, you're, you're doing it in spite of that Eichel line who's really not playing that well. Uh, in spite of Darlene, who's been really up and down here inside mm-hmm. the season. So you're, you've won you know, seven of your first nine games in spite of that. that. That's a good thing. You know, I mean, I'm sure you want those guys to play better overall at five on five, but winning in spite of that should instill more confidence that eventually the secondary scoring is probably going to come down a little bit. You're not going to shoot. I think they're at like 11 or like 12% right now for a team that's shooting. That's probably going to come down a little bit, but as that comes down, hopefully your better players start to get going again and it kind of still, you still can keep the ball going. So there's a lot of things to be excited about. There's a lot of things to be happy about, to believe in this team. There's really not that much. I guess I can even point to, to say, here's some skepticism. I mean, before going into, that San Jose game and their expected goals, they were kind of trending down a little bit, but you know they recovered in that San Jose game. So it's nothing to be concerned about. You know, I'm I'm impressed with this team so far. I'm impressed with the coaches done, and you know, say what you want. It's it's good. It's it's exciting because I think there's a lot. There's a possibility they can keep going, and kind of where it could lead to it could be interesting, especially if they make down the road. Man, I mean, they might have to make decisions sooner rather than later with Montour coming back soon. But if they can add maybe that one more forward to this team that looks like it really needs, then you can really kind of have a dangerous team on your hands here. No, I was just going to say, I think 
<clears throat> kind of looking at the team and we got a question that we'll get to later that kind of sparked this interest. It, it really does feel like you're still kind of, you know, one forward away from pretty much being able to roll four lines and, and ideally on any given night when one's not going, uh, one of the others can, can pick up the slack. And I think that's kind of the key here, right? To, to keep the, the ball rolling and, and keep wins stacking up or at least keep losing streaks from happening for long term. So I, I really think, yeah, the interesting thing here is the defense. It's what are they going to do as, as defenders start to get healthier? Yeah, for sure. And the one thing I just wanted to kind of add on to what, what Chad was saying, I mean, think about this for a minute. Someone had told you that this team was going to start 7-1-1 one, and one, and Jack Eichel and Rasmus Dahlin are not like absolutely killing it. You know what I mean? They're, they're just not consistent. That you you lost your mind laughing. I mean, there there was just you know I mean there was no discernible way to see that. You've got Marcus Johansson, who I I think is just I mean he's people are obviously recognizing that he's playing well, but I can't understate the impact that having mm-hmm. a competent second line center has had on this team. Mm-hmm. And you know to the to the point about the defense, they they got to figure something out. And you know we were talking a little bit uh, before the show, and you brought up a good point, Chad, that it almost looks like McCabe might be that odd man out, which is just so crazy, it, it, assuming that nobody you know, right. gets traded or anything like that. But it's so crazy to think about just from the beginning of the year, you know, the, the perception of where this team was going to stand versus what they're doing. It's just so cool. Yeah, no, I, and it, I mean, we'll, we'll kind of get into that in a little bit, you know, the McCabe thing you mentioned there and Montour and all that. But it's, it, <laughs> I mean, it, it, I, again, I'm, I'm trying to not bring up too many negative things in here and too many like things that can improve, but, I mean, we're, we're, they're winning games when, you know, Brisseline and McCabe are playing those top pair minutes. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I, they started off strong. Don't get me wrong. They, they played well throughout the season off, I think, the first five, six games. Um, I think the last three or four, they're kind of trending downhill, although they, they did play better in San Jose. I'll give them that. But before that, you know, they, they kind of struggled. And, you know, if you want it, it's, it's, again, as crazy as it's going to sound, I think – Scandell and Yoki Haru, that pair probably has been your best pair all season long and might be your most reliable pair right now. We Miller and Bellina have kind of been up and down all the season. It's gone. They've had some really good games. They've had some really bad games. There's really kind of you don't know what we're going to get out of that pair at this point, the way Darlene's going. But, you know, that's Scandella Yoki Haru pairing. You know, maybe that's a little bit of a focus here for a little bit is it's it's crazy. It's, you know, I mean, Yoki Haru had two primary assists in the San Jose game. Uh, he almost had a third. He, you know, he's. It's crazy to see a player of his age and what he's doing. I mean, again, I mean, we've talked about him always helps Scandell, and I'm sure Scandell also has helped him to an extent. But you know, it's it's a refreshing. I guess the word I'm kind of looking for is refreshing to have that blue line that we've kind of we've talked about before that we've looked forward to for years. You you have it now, and you almost have too many good defensemen if you want in a way I mean, with a monster <laughs> coming back and pilot in the AHL. So and that's not a bad thing, but it, it's going to get to a point where you got to make a decision here. Cause you got to play so many guys, but it's, I, I think that blue line is done a lot for this team. You know, I, I think it's maybe when they're all going, when you can maybe optimize it fully with who you want to put in, it, it might be one of the, I don't know. Can you say one of the top 10 blue lines in the league, the way that some of the guys are going right now? And I mean, that that's 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 huge. I mean, that that's getting the puck out of your zone. It, it results in you having lower quality scoring chances, like we're seeing this year, because they're not getting hemmed in their own end. So, you know, having that improvement, I, I think, I think for me, where I would start it, I think that's the most important thing in the team this year is having the blue line improved, and having the ability to have puck movers who can get the puck out of the end, out of your own end, and get the offense going, and then also helping the offensive zone too. So. 
I, I think if I'm going to focus on anything to start the season that's going so well, it's definitely going to start with that blue line and how improved it's been and how much it's clicking to help the rest of the team go. Hey, I mean, you guys brought it up, right? You said if you, even if you don't have amazing forwards or aren't able to turn over the forwards at this point, um, if you get some better defensemen that can make some better outlet passes and get the puck out of their own end, it, it might not matter as much because, uh, you know, you got guys that can at least get the puck up and, and find those guys. I mean, especially early in the season, how many times do we have, you know, Gergensen, Poso, and even Eichel and Reinhardt getting breakaways and just being able to use that speed through the neutral zone. It's, it's huge. And I, I know you looked it up, so I guess I'll give you a chance here, Chad. It's uh, Yoki Haro. Is it the uh, Skinner trade of this year, huh? How about a, yeah. what a, what a steal that was? Yeah, I mean, it's, of course, it's still early, but Nylander, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, his two goals and one assist, I think, this season, but his, you know, underlying numbers are pretty bad. I think he used a healthy scratch for two games. He's on Blackhawks' fourth line right now. It's, yeah, I don't know what Chicago saw. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I know they have some young defensemen there. I mean, whatever. But, I mean, you have Seabrook and you have Keith that are pretty much at the twilight of their careers. I don't know why you're trading away defensemen. I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't get it. So, I think they were hoping for Dylan Strom, like you was thought when that trade was happening, and I think they're going to swing and miss here. But, yeah, I mean, good on Jason Bottle. I mean, that that's a big feather in his cap here. It looks like he just swindled the Blackhawks in that trade, and it's working out excellently for him so so yeah i mean and that kid's been impressive I, I think you can definitely make an argument he's been their best defenseman so far this season you know consistently throughout the year so getting that out of a 20 year old i mean it kind of gives you excitement for what the future could be for him at only 20 years old and he's playing this well now yeah for sure i mean the, the yoki haru deal like bill just said i mean that, that's your skinner trade of the summer i mean his impact i mean we talked about it right when he got traded here i mean just looking at you know his, his kind of body of work it was you know a small portion of it obviously you know in the nhl just before coming it was like man this guy a lot of chicago fans were saying he was probably their best defenseman to close out the season and man he's just he's picked up right where he's left off in that regard you know what i'm saying so and it, it's so funny i feel like every physically gifted yet not so mentally talented defenseman has like their antithesis that that you can pair them with to make them look good right where Ristolainen last year it was pilot and I think I think Yogi Haru has been that for Scandella just that one dude who can maximize whatever that you know underperforming asset has you know left I guess um so yeah it's been really cool in that regard uh, I obviously you know we, we, everybody's kind of had a bone to pick a little bit with with the ice time thing just kind of how he's you know leaning on like you said McCabe and Ristolainen is that top pair minutes wise which is not ideal but then again Rasmus Dahlin is is he's not playing great you know I mean he's playing fine just not not like you'd expect from Rasmus Dahlin but you know I don't think the solution is necessarily making him your fifth highest time on ice defenseman uh so we'll, we'll kind of see how that adjusts but yeah they're, they're just moving the puck a lot better they're limiting high danger chances a lot better i mean just everything about this defense i mean we talked about the full-blown kind of renovation they went through particularly on the right side and and you're just seeing the results and i think too like you, i think it's important to remember not only has the defense improved i think the system in general has improved too oh for sure you know i, I think krueger's and i mean there's no more of that man-to-man system that housley seemed to be obsessed with running out that didn't work you know so there's a different defensive zone system that i, I think uses the five-man unit properly uh and you know and i think their neutral zone kind of aggressiveness is also helping you know it's cutting off a lot of the rushes neutral zones causing turnovers having team flip pucks in instead of carrying with possession so i think some of those approaches have really helped this team and i and i think you know you have to give bottle a little bit of credit if you know for kind of giving him the team 
it maybe best fits the system that he wants to play. So, I mean, it's working so far. He, he got the defensemen, the puck movers that Kruger needed. And, you know, cause he likes to, he likes to kind of try to stretch the ice too with the passing and outlets and getting guys up the ice and quickly turn defense in the offense. So getting those defensemen in here were, were extremely important and Bottle noticed that and did that. So, you know, when you add the, the improved defense along with an improved system that all the players are buying into and accepting and, are relishing in right now, you know, that's, that's definitely, that's definitely a good thing. And, and it's resulting in, in the form of wins. Yeah, for sure. I mean, everything you just said, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's tough to be anything, but, you know, excited about what that system has brought. Um, you know, as much as, you know, you, you kind of want to point out some of the deployment stuff, we, we, you know, the time on ice stuff, which again is such a, peripheral concern yeah, i think people right. get a little little confused by that when 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 it's brought up it's like but well, they're winning and you know the system looks great it's like no no it totally does you're right however we're just noticing these things yeah. and perhaps it could be even better um which is kind of a crazy concept i guess for you know fans <laughs> who have watched a team just be so much worse than this for so long you know what i mean the concept of hey we can maximize this further it's like shut up it's working like don't touch <laughs> it uh you know so I, I get that to an extent but yeah uh kruger's done a fantastic job and you know whenever i think it was it, it kind of gets paired with the losing and you're just kind of tired of hearing it but i think every time i heard phil Housley speak i was just like oh no you can't actually see it that way right and and every time kruger speaks i'm like yep tracking you know I and mean, he he full-blown like it said against la he's like yeah we we totally went into a preserve the lead mindset i mean he straight up said it and that's what everyone saw it's like okay good so so at least he recognizes that's what they were doing you know what i'm saying and you know it wasn't just like a, a byproduct of, of kind of his players understanding of what they wanted from him which you got that vibe under housley right where the things he was saying and and what was actually appearing on the ice were two very different things. So you almost wondered if the players were doing something that they thought was what he wanted. Maybe he was just a very poor communicator in, in that way. But no, everything, I mean, it's just, it's night and day. So there's a lot that I want to get to, but I think a lot of what we want to get to is kind of tied up on our questions. So what we're going to do here is we're going to get our first break in here. Uh, we're only, I can't say first break, but it's our only break that we have. So we're going to get our break in here. Not technically wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> first and only break of uh, 30 seconds. I'm going to come back and we're going to kind of get into the questions because I think it's going to drive a lot of the topics that I want to talk about that I kind of danced around kind of in the beginning here because I didn't want to steal questions that I saw that came in. So we'll get to that. So 30 seconds here, we'll be back. There is a lot of good questions that came in the Dalene, the lines goaltending coaching uh, a lot of good things so we'll get to that after the break here stick with us this is beyond the blade on the sb nation podcast network all right welcome back I think this is going to be fun, the second half of the podcast here, that there's a lot of good questions we got, a lot of interesting topics to touch on. Um, I tried to be careful with what I was saying in the first half because I didn't want to ruin the fun for the second half for the people who graciously sent in their questions. So this is the portion of the evening where Bill kind of takes over here, goes out the questions that he's tracked throughout the day, and then we have conversations on them. If you don't know how it goes, that's how it goes. So, Bill, what did we get this week to talk about? Alrighty, so since we just left off on the coach, I guess uh, 
we'll start off there, gentlemen. Yeah, two on the coach, our man Daniel. What's been the biggest positive that is a direct reflection of Kruger? We kind of just touched a little bit, but go for it. Uh, I, I, I mean, it, well, two things. I, I think one, the system, and I think two, getting the players to buy in. Uh, I think that's been extremely important. I mean, you talk to the players in the room, you know, they're, they're all buying into whatever Kruger is preaching, the whole team aspect, you know, working as one, buying into the system he wants them to do, not kind of, excuse me, not kind of working outside of that system, I guess you could say, or trying to do too much on your own. So I, I think those are two things that directly reflect on Kruger that, it's impressive that so early on he's gotten these guys a bunch that has kind of lost a lot of hockey here to, to kind of buy in and they're being rewarded for it. So, you know, he, he deserves some credit for that for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he came out, you know, right out of the jump with that play connected line. Right. And, and you can see that, you know, these guys know where each other are right. And under Housley, you just saw, I mean, I know Ristolino was the most egregious kind of like um, violator of this, but, uh, it's just guys whipping passes to areas where they thought someone was going to be. And just, there was just a, a, a total breakdown of communication, you know, last couple of years, it seemed uh, on the ice. And that, that whole play connected thing is really, you know, I think coming to fruition where you're seeing guys be in the spots that their teammates know where they're going to be. And, and, you know, it, it ultimately goes back to system and, and getting everyone to buy in, like you said, but yeah, I mean, everything about what he's done so far is, is really great. Um, I hope it continues. And even at the end of the day, like, I know it doesn't necessarily mean anything, but I don't, I don't think I want it lost on what Anthony brought up earlier, which is that even after games and press conferences, he mm-hmm. doesn't make it sound like he doesn't know what he's talking about at all. Yep. Yep. So it's kind of refreshing in itself where, you know, even if they don't play well, we see it or, you know, you guys uh, see it analytically. And it's not like he's coming out here telling you that they played great. And even though they got crushed, they won three nothing, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I think right. that's important, too. Second coach question from Mark. What about gathering all of the things you have seen and greats? I assume it's an autocorrect, maybe charts that are different this year from head coach Ralph Kruger. What, if any, impact do you think he has how he has on how the team has done, both record-wise and analytically? What players do you think have taken a step forward and step back? Well, I guess it's hard to see the, the Kruger's impact analytically, I guess you could say, because it's really and, well, I mean, if you want to say, I mean, he's he's a coach of a team that has pretty decent analytic numbers right now. So I guess you can say a good impact, but how deep that goes into it, I'm not sure. Um, I, I guess I'll, I'll kind of focus on and answer the question here. You know, players that I, I think have stepped forward. I mean, say what you want about Vlad Spoke. He hasn't played a lot of good hockey, but he's been better this season. So give credit to Kruger for that. Marcos Candela has been a revelation this year so far compared to what it was last year. Uh, and and Ristolainen's another guy who, like I said, I think the last handful of games is kind of turning the wrong direction for him. But regardless, he's still in these nine games has not played as poorly as he did last season. He started off hot. Um, he's kind of going back to maybe that player we we are familiar with. But still, I still think he's playing a little bit above that level still, even with his bad games. So, you know, I mean, those are just three players right there that I, I think he's he's done a very good job um, getting some guys to kind of step up. Uh, you know, in terms of stepping back, I don't know. That's I don't think really anybody's stepping back besides maybe Darlene's having a little bit of trouble right now. But you know, I'll save that for the discussion when that question comes up. So I know we got one on that, but mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, as we said, you know, a couple of times here, I think the overall impact by Kruger has, has been very good. Yeah, I mean, t- tough to add anything to that. It's you know, 
it goes down to, you know, like we talked about, you know, he's not stacking his lines. He's not, you know, front loading all of his talent. Um, it's just a lot of little stuff that is kind of matriculated into, like Chad just said, an analytically positive impact. So, um, yeah, and in terms of stock up, stock down, I mean, shoot, stock up on a lot of guys. Uh, huh. I, I wouldn't necessarily say anyone's kind of gone downwards to an extent where I'd want to single them out. Got to give a shout out to Fury uh, for four points in five games, mm-hmm. even with the injury. So mm-hmm. he's on track for Chad's bounce back year. And I another thing, I guess. Like somebody predicted that a few times, right? <laughs> <laughs> Dirty dog. <laughs> <laughs> also, I guess what you guys could do is uh, you could always take Karen Housley's tweet and try and track that. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the <improvement. laughs> they went from 31st to 27th in overall course. He's like, eh, but 31st under Housley. <laughs> <laughs> you went from worse to not so bad as the worst kind of- in Almost 17 more worse. seasons we would be in the top five <laughs> where's the patience <laughs> in this in this what did she say like era of 280 characters it's like yeah stop. oh yeah <laughs> all righty moving on uh where do we want to go here let's i guess you guys are you're around the defense so chad i'll give you that uh darlene question James, what's going on with Darlene, and are we seeing Risto's expected regression? Yeah, so I'll, I'll start with the Darlene thing. You know, I, I kind of told people this. I mean, from I, I know people believe I don't watch the game, but I do. <laughs> uh, from watching him play, and you know, I think there, there's one thing that's kind of jumping out when I physically look at him, watch him. It's it's he seems to be hesitant, and he seems to be thinking a lot. And you know, when he's in the defensive zone, he's kind of like slowly kind of moving around. Like he's not like his normal subtles last year. He was kind of attacking the puck. I feel like he was more playing on his instincts and kind of just going. And, and that worked better for him last year where I, I, I don't know what they're doing with him. I, I don't know if they, they want him to do things differently and they're trying that, but I, I think it's, I, I think it's not working for him mentally in the, in a way where he's kind of overthinking it. He's, he's being slower with his approach. He's, second guessing himself and you if you will i mean there's one play yesterday where you know he, he was coming around the wall and then he kind of like backtracked but then he like backtracked into trouble or you know he'll kind of just not trust his instincts on, on a rush to the neutral zone he'll kind of start to move and then he's like eh, i'll just dump it in where you know last year maybe he'll kind of just try to make that move so i don't know if he's trying to limit his turnovers or he's trying to be smarter with the puck it's just i kind of want to see him get back to playing more off his instincts. That, that's kind of what I want to see. And I, I think if you watch him and kind of clearly think there's notice that he's really kind of overthinking a lot of things right now. And, and it's kind of slowing the way he's playing down a little bit. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure that again, we're, we're talking about nine games, you know, I, I don't want to say that uh, there, there, there's any type of, I, I don't know. I think he's taking a little longer to, to maybe transition. Um, you know, I, I do notice, like, like kind of you just alluded to, there, there's almost a little bit more hesitation in this game. It seems like, um, and and that's not really conducive to kind of how how the system is being played to my eye. Uh, but it, I don't I don't think it's anywhere near anything to worry about. And uh, I think part two of that question was about Risto, right? It was asking if we're seeing no. that regression. Um, yeah, I think so. I. I <laughs> And, you know, we're we're talking about discernibly maybe three, even more, but let's call it three solid years of knowing kind of what he is, you know, and, you know, you put him back with Jake McCabe and he starts getting top pairing minutes again. It's like, oh, look at that. Same exact guy. 
Um, so no, I don't expect him to rebound back to where he started. If, if the deployment and his, you know, partner remains the same, um, it's unfortunate because there's really no room at the end, barring injury for Lawrence pilot, who, who was that guy, like we talked about a little bit earlier, who kind of brought Risto up last year. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, he had a good start, but yeah, I think I think the regression is very much expected, and I, I think it will continue. But I don't want to sound doom and gloom. But just uh, on that on that one point, yeah, I I'm not surprised by what we're seeing. Yeah, I mean, I know you, when it comes to questions of uh, <clears throat> what's going on with him, you don't necessarily want to bring up points. But <laughs> you guys are both saying he's struggling, and, and he is at this point. He's still got nine points in nine games. It's uh, yeah, right. Pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah, I know a lot of them are on the power play. Struggle is so loosely defined. I think it's more about like... I keep, I keep <laughs> saying up and down. That's, that's really what it is. Yeah, it's up and down. That's true. Yeah. So I think the the thing at least is with Dalian, we, we expect him to kind of get back to himself here at some point. So moving on, let's stay with uh, actually Risto Linen from T. Johnson. Given the recent success of the team, how do you think Risto is feeling about being traded now? Hmm. Uh, that's an interesting question. That's, a, that's an interesting, <laughs> that is an interesting question. Um, uh, part of, I don't know. I don't know. It's a tough question. Part of me says he maybe still welcome it, but he's playing a lot. They're winning hockey games. I don't know. I mean, does, if he likes the coach, maybe he's fine. I don't know. I, again, I don't. I don't think he'd be torn up over it if it happens. But yeah. I don't think he's actively hoping he's moved. I guess would be the way to answer. That's a good question, though. It's interesting to think about. That's a great question. I forget uh, who from the Athletic wrote the article last week. Kind of. Where they almost kind of asked him point Pure blank, LeBron, like, I think it was right. Who was it? Okay, I think it was. And and uh, you know they kind of asked him point blank, like how you feeling? It, you know the whole vibe was like good, but not satisfied. You know what I mean? Now yeah, we want to get better, and it was more you know him kind of calling upon himself and and his team to to do better. Not that he wants a better situation. I don't want that to get twisted, but um, yeah, it's so interesting, right? And can you imagine how he'd feel like you know twenty games from now the team is still in first place, then they finally trade him. <laughs> right. <laughs> that would be just such a gut punch. So that's a great question. It's tough to say. You know, none of us really have direct regular contact with Rasmus Ristolainen. So <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, you, you do have to wonder kind of how this success is is affecting his mentality in, in a positive way because it's I think all signs pointed to, and it was pretty darn obvious that that he was not in a good place. You know, to start the year. So no, that's that's interesting. I've, I hadn't really thought about that. After the articles you guys have written, I wouldn't expect you to have direct contact with Rasmus <laughs> I don't think he's, I don't think we're uh, talking terms really. I would I would <laughs> I would bet a hundred dollars he's never read one. <laughs> <laughs> Although didn't he like he liked somebody's tweet on Twitter? He somebody's. Oh yeah, it was oh man, someone said that, you know, about trading him and he liked yeah. it and then quickly yeah. unliked it. Yeah. I think to your point, I, I think if not saying the, the wheels would fall off, but I, I think that if they were, he'd back to it pretty quickly, even if it was just a small losing streak. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so sticking with trades, Tom Swervo, realistically, who comes out for Montour mm. if there's no trades? That's going to get to the Jake McCabe thing in the beginning, right? Yeah, I, did, I didn't realize that was this was a question. I wouldn't have said anything. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it kind of prefaces, but it's, um, I don't know. It, if there's no trade, I don't know. I don't know what you do. I mean, I, Montour is going to be back here, and, and I, I think I think he's going to be back by the Sweden trip, to be honest. Um, I don't know. I don't know who you take out. I mean, you can't take Scandell out. He's playing too well. You're not going to take Yuki Hara out. I mean, you're not going to take Darlene out. You're not going to take Miller out, probably. And you're not going to take Ristolainen out. I guess that leaves Jake McKay. I mean, if I'm thinking overall who's played the worst recently, 
I mean, it's excluding Delane because really you're not taking him out of the lineup. It, it, I guess it's McCabe, but he wears a letter. They got a new contract. I think they like him. Playing 21 minutes a night. Playing 21 minutes a night, right? <laughs> I don't. I have no. They just have to trade somebody. They just have to yeah, trade somebody. That's what they have yeah. to do. It, would, it honestly wouldn't shock me if it's Scandella before wrist lining, to be honest. It would mm. not stun me. But somebody has to be traded. Yeah, it's so funny because you can't you can make an argument against and for everyone but Darlene, really. You know what I'm saying? Or you know, you can't make an argument for Darlene, but it's just so it's just so crazy. You know, I mean, Miller's not going. You could just say like none of them are going to move him. Well, they're not going to you know they're not going to bench him. They're not going to scratch him. But yeah, a trade is really the only viable solution. But in the, unless they like you just said, they're not going to bench McCabe. He's an alternate. It's just so weird. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's it's an awesome question, and it's probably the thing I'm most curious to kind of find out. Um, I, I don't know if nine really good games for Marco Scandella is enough for me to to not scratch him if they don't move anyone. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't take him out right now. It's crazy oh. that is. It, it, you just you can't do it. I, he's been one of their better defensemen. You can't do it. I, 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 mean, I, I mean, I think it would, it would look bad. You could, but I think it would look bad. <laughs> I think it look. You're sending well, a bad message. Enough, then, then trade somebody. Right. Chad, yeah, do it. Chad, Chad, make the call. <laughs> the other thing for me too is we were kind of talking or you guys are talking about even how like the pairs are kind of working and how i think the pairs are almost as important as like who's that, the sixth that are out there like Ristolainen and pilot Ganella sure. and yoki haru how does montour mesh with whoever he ends up you know lining up with and that's a funny thing right because we keep talking about it. it's got to be a lefty to come out for him right and if if, if he's going to play on that left side it, it almost kind of is a right shot defenseman i know i know that but if you're taking out a lefty who who's who on the right currently though is going to move over then yoki haru you think so okay fair well fair enough because i yeah. saw that they were rolling montour on the left a little bit in a couple preseason games so i didn't know if they maybe had that in their back pocket but yeah i mean i think a guy the funny the ironic thing is i think the guy who maybe compliments him best just you know from an analytics standpoint I, and we talked about it in the offseason is McCabe I was going to so say that it's yeah, funny so, part so. I think McCabe makes him <laughs> the best partner for him right so so that's that's fun it's a funny kind of follow-up question uh <laughs> ironic just to Winnipeg just just do that hey Please. man they bounce back a little bit four and five so, I don't care never know there. <laughs> <laughs> coming back I just mean to remember how we're saying if they get two out of it, yeah. why do they even trade? Right. Well, I mean that is that is a good point. I mean they're they're kind of back in in here, so right. I mean they are in a zero zero shootout right now with Edmonton. So <laughs> So this question involves the defenseman, so I'm going to sneak this one in the last for the defense on the warpath. What's a worse take? Thinking Erod doesn't belong in the lineup, or that Pilot should remain in the AHL? As much as I like Erod, it's Pilot. The same is about Rodriguez. His season last year, he didn't play well this year, so. I, I legitimately cannot make an argument for him to be in a lineup above anybody else right now because I think he's playing the worst among the forwards, and that's kind of the way it goes. It's unfortunate. I think they really didn't utilize him to his strengths. Um, speaking of fun, like about unhappy players, I think he's an unhappy player, and I, I think that's kind of showing in his play. Um, yeah, I would say Pilot. I mean, he, he played his first two games of the season, and all reports indicated that he played well. So, yeah, I'd definitely say I think Pilot – the pilot part of that is is the worst take. Hope that Anthony comes yeah. to defense here. No, I, th- I well, I think in a vacuum, the, the the pilot thing is definitely the worst take. However, when you kind of take a look at what's ahead of pilot, the 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 stance of he should stay in the AHL isn't wrong. I mean, what are you going to do with it? Or unless you're going to leave him in the press box, which I I don't know that I'm an advocate for. Um, you know, so with with the current 
you know, quote unquote log jam back there. Um, I don't yeah. know, situationally, I guess the Erod take is, is the hotter take, but I mean, if, if you're talking about those two situations, just strictly without any other, you know, um, extenuating circumstances like a log jam or, or what have you, then yeah, pilot does not belong in the AHL, but just, he might be a victim of circumstance here. I guess let me tack on one more here is, uh, I guess what's your ideal, all healthy defensive core here. Moving forward or now? All if healthy, all the defensemen so here, forward. we can kind of have our, have our own. Correct. You're saying, okay. Anthony, you can go first. I'm gonna, I, I have to write it down. So you go first. Am I, am I talking about pairings or just list my pairings. top six? Either way. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, your, your locks are, are Darlene Miller, right? Um, Yoki Haru, obviously, Montour. So there's four right there. Uh, I think I think I need Pilot as one of those top six moving forward. Cause I, and, and I know he's playing well right now, but I'm just I'm talking about like a, as a whole. I don't know. I guess McCabe. I, it's a that's a that's a tough one. Because um, you want Pilot in the lineup, you know, you, you can make the argument for it. Uh, you know, like Chad said though, you can't deny Marco Scandell is playing really well and. Jake McCabe has an A. It's just you know, but uh, I think I think Lawrence Pilot in the near future has the possibility. I think he's better than Scandella now, to be honest, and he's probably better than McCabe. But I don't know. He's he's got to be in there somewhere. I know I just talked in a gigantic circle there. <laughs> <laughs> so my ideal top group, I guess you could say, is I did pairs quickly. So I would go Darling Yokiharu. Uh, McCabe, Montour, Pilot, Miller, and then if Scandella is still here, you can use him as your rotational guy, uh, or you can trade him wrist lined. That I don't know, I mean, whatever you yeah. kind of want to do about that. But I guess you can have Pilot and Scandella be your rotational guys, then. and whoever's playing the best, who's ever going. I mean, it's whatever. Put McCabe in that. Rotate those three left shot defensemen. Whoever's playing the best gets to play. Sure, you know, some competition. So that that's kind of what I would do. I, the thing about Scandella is. He's playing well now, but what happens if I take him away from Yogi Haru? Does he go back into being that guy? Or maybe if he plays with Miller, who's similar skills to Yogi Haru, is that fine? Uh, I'm not sure I want to put him with Montour, who's captain high event hockey. I don't think that would, that would really work for Scandella, but maybe kind no. of can be that nice kind of guy from the top, the bottom pair. So I don't know, it's tough right now. There's, there's good defensemen in. You know, I, I think maybe you're hesitant to start the season to, to move two of them. Uh, I think you couldn't do one, and then, like you said, you leave Pilot in the AHL for now, as unfortunate as it is, but numbers are numbers, and then you, you kind of see how that goes. Injuries or poor play of the season, and then maybe you can get Pilot up here in, you know, December-ish, I guess. I mean, so from an asset management standpoint, too, Scandella is 29, next oldest is 26, and he's 4 mil, and he's a UFA after this year, so. Yeah, right. A recruit, I guess, would probably be the smart asset management from a GM standpoint type of thing. Anyways, it'll be a really interesting couple of weeks, I think, for the defense. But uh, yeah, for sure. Sticking with defensive type activities, the penalty kill. Kevin, in your opinion, what's the problem with the penalty kill because it's abhorrent? Uh, it's not good. Is that a good <laughs> analysis? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it's. I mean, uh, I got a follow-up. I'll just throw this one out too real quick. Corey Kelly, I'd also like to hear opinions on the PK. I don't like the interchangeable or maybe proper term is man-to-man forwards at the top of the box. I feel it can create confusion on who is covering who. Well, Corey just stole my thunder, so. (laughs) I'm glad (laughs) I snuck it in. (laughs) 
<laughs> I guess Corey answered the question for Kevin. I, I think it's that I think it's the setup. You know, I mean, it's Steve Smith running it, so it's a similar system to last year, which I wasn't a huge fan of either. I, I think they got super lucky, if I remember correctly, on the penalty kill last year, where the numbers were. Uh, they were ranked 12th last year and they're ranked 20th right now. But I think the they tapered were, off hard, though, didn't they? They like did, this, and it yeah. was a lot of luck. It was a lot of luck, a lot of goaltending um, on the penalty kill that kind of helped the numbers look better. Like, they give up a lot of quality shots. I mean, you're going to give up quality shots the power penalty kill anyways, but they gave up, I guess, beyond what the league average would be. So it's, it, yeah, I think it's that exact thing. I think it's having that forward to kind of at the top who kind of like goes around the whole zone. You're right. I think it causes confusion. I think it gets players out of position. I just, I'm not a fan of it. I think they're, they they can get a position easy because of that because they have two guys chasing the puck in one area. They, you know, they, they have a hard time getting it out at times. Um yeah, I think they, they kind of have trouble covering the guy in front of the net. You know, there's, I, don't, I don't know. I just think there's 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 not a lot of – I mean, there is structure to it because they have a system that they're doing, but it, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of chasing, if you will, and I don't think they ever really look comfortable, you know, when they're penalty kills. So, yeah, I kind of wish they maybe would change up their system and their approach. You know, they kind of went more to a box, you know, in I think at one point after the kind of rough start to last season. And then I think they kind of they got back again to that kind of one one two system. So I, I don't know. I, I agree with what Corey said though. I really don't like it. And I, I think that's part of it. And maybe you try some different guys there. You know, Eichel's not getting penalty kill opportunities as much I've noticed. So he's getting them still, but not as much as hard the season as he was. Mm-hmm. VC's always out there, but it, it's weird. VC's actually was a good penalty killer coming from the Rangers, but maybe he's not as good in this system. Uh Sabokas had some rough penalty kill minutes. Russell Linens have some rough penalty kill minutes. So I don't know, maybe try to work some new guys in there, see if that helps. I mean, I don't I don't know. Give Darlene some penalty kill minutes. See how that goes. He's not playing a ton of five and five, so he shouldn't be tired. Throw him out some penalty kills and see if that helps. See if that works. See if he's able to get the puck out better or kind of use his creativity or speed or something to kind of help you. So I don't know, maybe switch some guys in there. I don't know who else you can put. I mean, Rodriguez was a great penalty killer, but obviously not in the lineup, so you can't do that. So I don't know, try to mix it in, some different guys, try to change your system, but they're winning still, even though the penalty kill isn't great. So we'll we'll see how much they'd be willing to change until maybe things kind of go off the rails even further. Yeah, one of the things I was kind of encouraged by uh, the first couple games, it looked like the penalty kill was being a little bit more aggressive um, in in their approach, where last season they, they really did, a, did this, you know, um, <laughs> perpetual... It's technique of, of collapsing so hard in front of the net and, and creating traffic there, which it, Kevin, you know, kind of described on Twitter, I think at the beginning, maybe early off season, just kind of how that could theoretically work, but, but usually won't. So um, I, I was encouraged by the fact that uh, they, they weren't collapsing so hard, but yeah, I, I mean, it, they've kind of gone back a little bit to what it was last year. It's, I don't know. It, for me, it's a peripheral issue. I mean, it's not good. I, I agree with that, but it's, I don't know. I think I think it'll adjust kind of as the year goes on. I, I that that's been my thing forever though, and and we've talked about it. I, I want an aggressive penalty kill. I think that just putting you know your your strictly defensive assets in there is is maybe you know not optimal. Um, you know I, we've talked about Eichel on the penalty kill, and you just mentioned Darlene, right? Just to maybe try and create kind of something in that regard. Um, but yeah, it's it's not it's not good. It's not good. I, I won't disagree with that at all. Uh, it's, it, it reminds me a lot of what it was last season, which it went from, like you just said, lucky to frustrating. Uh, 
So yeah, we'll we'll kind of see how that adjusts. I think I think you know knowing what kind of hearing recruiter has been saying just in general, he he's probably very aware of it, and uh, I'm I'm hoping it's something they address. You're gonna get Bill going here on getting scores in the pounders <laughs> <in a> second. <laughs> I, I don't disagree with him. <laughs> I was just gonna go here here here, but uh, <laughs> I'll save it I guess for for maybe another time. But yeah, I mean I've talked about it at length. I just. Use it as a weapon. Use everything as you possibly can as a weapon to go score more goals because at the end of the day, that's who's going to win the game. You, you know whose penalty kill I really actually liked? I loved how Anaheim handled us. Channels, I did the same thing. That aggressive. Yeah. Really aggressive. Yeah. I just think it's the way to go. I really, really like an aggressive PK. And, and you, you were right, you're right. Anaheim was very similar. but Or I'm sorry, San Jose was very similar. But Anaheim was the one where I was just like, damn, like this is how I want our penalty kill to look. Quickly, more on special teams. Uh, Jeff Hickle needs to start taking more shots in the power play. Correct. Teams are keying on him trying to get the puck across the ice to Olofsson. He's got to start shooting, I think, to kind of maybe get some teams to back off again. Because, mm-hmm. oh. And also, I think, I think it's him, too. I think he's trying to force that cross-ice pass too much. Just, I think he's got to get, again, <clears throat> he's got to get some shots in there. He's, he's got to... I'm not telling him to rip one timers like last year nonstop, but you know if you fire a couple of wrist shots on that, I mean he has I think one or two goals this year. Yep, using that shot right, just a wrist shot, simple wrist shot that beats the goaltender. So, and you know we know his shots create rebounds too. So let them let Skinner and Reinhardt go to work in front. You know, so it's shoot for rebounds, shoot the scores. Just he's got to shoot a little bit more to get teams to back off. You know, covering that pass across Olsen because it's pretty clear it's what they want to do. We agree. All right, let's take a small break from the team and go to prospects. Don Brown, congrats on the nice game today. Who is your favorite <laughs> Sabres prospect, and who is your sleeper prospect? Uh, favorite Sabres prospect, I think everybody knows I'm a huge Laxander fan. That's the, that's the guy I'll go to as my favorite. And then also, if you know me, uh, sleeper, uh, Linus Kronholt. You know, I, I think he's... I think he's, I don't want to say Laxton 2.0, but I think he's one of those guys that not a lot of people know about um, that kind of does, I, I think, kind of on a nice path. And we'll kind of see where that leads him here over the next year or two. But, you know, he's, he's kind of a guy I like. Um, if you want a guy I don't like, it's Matias Samuelson. I continue to be disappointed by him. <laughs> I think I think if, if the opportunity strikes, I think they should maybe, especially with the Ryan Johnson pick last year, I think you might want to see if somebody would be interested in taking Samuelson as part of a throw on a deal that, Maybe Winnipeg. Maybe you can use him as a throw one in the deal to to get a higher end player like Ehlers or something else out of there. So, I like how you're thinking. That's that's kind of where my head. And a few prospects there. Yeah, I think the most exciting one for me is is kind of the obvious one is Dylan Cousins. I mean, he's you know, right. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, yeah obviously you know, the top pick. I mean, the kid kid's awesome. Uh, he showed in in prospect camp and during uh, preseason that. He's very, very close, I think, to being ready. Uh, he's doing very well for Lethbridge. Um, so he's, he's my most exciting one, for sure. Uh, and I think the sleeper guy, I don't know. He's become a little bit more mainstream over the last year, I guess. But uh, my quote-unquote sleeper is definitely Linus Weisbach. I mean, he's got eight points in four games for Wisconsin right now. He's still killing it over there. I, I think he's, he's a really cool sleeper. Oh, I got bite my lips so hard over here. Go ahead, continue. Um, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Hang on. No, go ahead. Right. Hit me. No, no, don't. Because there's actually a Steven question. Uh, more oh. exciting prospect. Last can enter what's back. <laughs> uh, well, accident for me. Um, 
Anthony, you want to answer for I, I crush you on well, your hopes and dreams? Oh my god! <laughs> wow! I wish I would have gone first, just so I could have stolen your Laxanin Thunder because I know I knew that's where you were going. <laughs> just like you know, I like Laxanin. I've been the guy who's really been kind of pushing him the last year. So Chad's just losing his mind. Um, no, go ahead, please ruin my day. I'm not gonna. Okay, here's the thing on Lena Sweet. I don't. I don't want to be like the fun police on Lena Sweetback because he's just. <laughs> I mean, we're seeing Olofsson succeed as a seventh-round pick, right? So, I mean, maybe respect could be that. Maybe. Here's... <laughs> this is a slow kill. <laughs> Here's the thing, okay? Let's remember this. I, I want to say he's a junior. I think he's a junior. Uh, he's an overage draft pick that is playing with two of the best players in college hockey and two premier prospects in Alex Turcotte and Cole Caulfield. He, he has some nice things in his game. He has some speed, but realistically as the season goes on, cause he's, a, I'm telling you now, Anthony point, he's going to score a ton of points here at Wisconsin. I'm just at the spot where just note those things. He's playing with Cole Caulfield and Alex Turcotte. Okay. So like, those are two premier prospects, two should have been top five, even top 10 picks last year in the draft. So I, I think his numbers are going to get inflated a lot. I think it's going to give people a lot of false hope about what this kid could be. When I think maybe his ceiling realistically is like an AHL player. I, I just think there's some things that I don't know if it will ever translate to the NHL level. So <laughs> I put a tweet out yesterday that eventually we're going to have to have a conversation about Wiesbeck, and I guess we're kind of having it now. Uh, I, I just would urge people as season goes on, because like I said, he's going to score a ton. The numbers are going to look great at the end of the year. His NHLE, for those who look at it, is going to be impressive. But there's a huge, huge star asterisk with the guys he's played with, the minutes he's going to get, and how he's going to feed off those two. Because Caulfield's going to score a ton. Turcotte's going to set them both up. And Caulfield's going to have a fun time setting both those guys up, especially in the power play. So. I'm not killing your hopes and dreams, Anthony. I'm just so it's, it's just really kind of like hopes just, and dreams for me. I mean, like I'm, I, and I just pulled it up now just to make sure I wasn't forgetting somebody obvious because, because admittedly, I did it off memory. I mean, like who else is under the radar though? Like Roots Alignment's not under the radar. Neither is Picard. You know no. what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. Lucas Rusek. I mean, maybe, but is he really more exciting than Weisbach? Not, not. No, not really. You know, I mean, William Warshakrew. Could be. I don't know at some point, but I'm just saying, like, you just make that guy up. Is he real? You know, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Real. I know who he is. I'm just, I'm joking. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? So it's just like, I don't know who's under the radar. Ryan Johnson. I mean, he's a first round pick, but he's very exciting. Uh, yeah, but it's, you know, it's not, it's not that I think Linus Weisbeck is like a future top sixer. I don't, I don't want that to be the vibe. No, I don't, I don't think you're thinking that. Just, I, I think we're going to get to when is the college season end? I don't know what, February? March, and he's gonna have like thirty to forty points. You remember, like, oh, look at another seventh round gem we got here in our hands. Like, just, just remember that. Remember in the back of your head, those that thing. I just, I'm dropping out there for you. He's he's gonna feed off those two, and the numbers are gonna be good, but he's not coming to the NHL to play with those two players. So I, I don't know how well it's gonna translate, especially those other things in his game too that I just don't think will ever translate to the NHL. We'll see. You never know. But I just want to put that. Let's put the little nugget in people's heads here as this season kind of unfolds on Wees back. Sorry really for quick. crushing everybody's hopes early. <laughs> so since, yeah, since Chad just did that, let me, uh, I don't really have like sleepers or anything. And obviously you guys just ran them all down, but <clears throat> to piggyback off Anthony Dylan cousins, 
14 points, eight goals in 10 games. I know we expected him to go do that, but it's good that he is going to do that. And uh, don't forget about a one page Thompson still sitting down in Rochester, six points, six games, three goals. Uh, he had another really nice goal the other night. He's uh, he's looked pretty good. So I'll be interested to see when he uh, finally gets his, or when he gets a shot. Um, Kind of what he yeah. does with it when he gets back into the age. And you're under the radar guy, Anthony. Your boy Tage, you didn't go there. That's under the radar. He's yeah. six foot seven. He's not under anything. <laughs> maybe he's maybe he's <laughs> over the radar. He's <laughs> over the. <laughs> yeah, I'm just throwing it out there. CJ Smith doing a whole lot of nothing. So by the end of him, this toast. He's the next. Justin Bailey, fifties. Yeah. All right. So getting back to the team, we'll start off with a funny one. Zach, what does Vlad Saboka's next contract look like they can't afford to lose him. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, lo- it looks like a two-way deal with someone else. <laughs> Whatever the cage, I was willing to pay him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, let's go to Joshua Kelleher. Is there a past Sabres team that is comparable to this year's Sabre team so far? I saw that and I kind of thought about that question. Um okay. And what what was last name of the playoffs? They won the division. Was it they win the division? Like eleven, twelve that year? Yeah. I I want. I have so to look far. back. Look, kind of they look didn't have any like top end guys. Though. That's the thing. Like I, I think this team might be better than that team because they have right. talent. Uh, but I'm I'm not going to go tell you this is the O five O six Sabres either. So right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I I don't know. I don't know. To be honest, I'm going to say there isn't one. I don't think there is, you know, a, a year that really jumps out as, as particularly comparable. Um, I mean, 0506, I guess, is the last year we we went in with very low expectations and were pleasantly surprised. So, I mean, in that regard, <laughs> maybe. But uh, yeah, talent wise and just kind of like roster construction wise, I, I no, not really. They're building their own history. It's a, there you go. Not a bad one. All right, so let's go to just Rob. The Sabres seem to have a problem with heavy checking teams that want to get it in deep and cycle them to death and get a ton of shots. I feel like they have speed and skill to counter this, but they seem to be overwhelmed at times under pressure. Do they just need to get more reps to fix this? I don't, I don't disagree with that so much. I think, I think Anaheim is the game. I kind of go back to where, like I said earlier in the show, they they just overwhelm the Sabres with speed and physicality and, and, you know, everything that, uh, you know, he just said, um, is it is it something that that they kind of adjust to over time? Maybe uh, I think I think they've got the talent to kind of um, you know counteract that approach, so to speak. But yeah, I agree. They they have looked a little overwhelmed. I think by that approach early on. Again, it's it's we're talking really small sample size. I mean, this is a team that's lost one one game in regulation. So uh, it's tough to say that teams that do that are you know just, it's tough to say there's a direct correlation right now in that regard. But I think the one you know, loss that they had in regulation that that was the case. So um, we'll, we'll see if that trend continues. We'll see if teams who, who kind of play that way continue to kind of get the best of them, but I wouldn't worry about it too much right now. You say Columbus kind of did it too. A little bit. Yeah. That Columbus four checking. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Kind of did the same thing to him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, your bills, right. I mean, it's kind of a little trend there, you know, Anaheim, LA, uh, and then Columbus kind of, you know, the hard four checking game is kind of the heavy game, if you will, is kind of wearing on them or, I, I think it's kind of maybe the way they approach it. I think if they're going to feed into that, like they did in Anaheim, if you will, they kind of started playing Anaheim's game after they dominated the first period. And look where that, you know, they ended up. I think just kind of stick to their style, stick to their game, and, you know, they'll they'll be fine. But it's it's something to keep an eye on for sure because if teams tried to pick up on that, you know, heavy hockey, go at them hard, you know, mm-hmm. that could change some things. But 
you know, same thing is in the East, not a lot of teams actually play that style. So right. they're in the Western Conference, they'd be more concerned, but I'm not really that concerned playing in the East. All righty, T. Johnson, what do you think is the issue with the REO Speedwagon line? They seem to be a bit off so far to start the season. And how would you solve this issue, or would you let it just sort itself out? Uh, I, I think I'm kind of on the record that I'm, I'm ready to kind of split that line up. Um, you know, Olafson has had his moments in the power play. I don't think he's done that well at five on five. As a whole, that line under as five on five has been kind of been underwhelming, uh, to be honest, lately, especially defensively. Uh, if I had to pick somebody, and again, I don't think any of them are playing great, but if I'm going to pick one guy who's played the best out of the three of them, I think it's Ben Reinhardt. Uh, I think Eichel kind of has had his rough moments. Olofsson definitely at five and five really hasn't given him much besides that one pass the Reinhardt rescored against Dallas. Uh, <laughs> but you know, beyond that, I, I think it's I think it's time to kind of to kind of break that up a little bit. You know, I mean, they they play a lot with down, with uh, McCabe and Ruslanin too. I just think as a five man group that doesn't really work. So I, I think there's I think there's time to be time. I know Kruger really likes to stick with those lines. They're winning, so I'm not sure he's really going to mix anything up. But you know, maybe, maybe this is the time you may want to get Jeff Skinner back up there, right? I mean, I, don't, I mean, if you're putting Skinner there, you got to get Reinhardt off that line. You can't do that. Yeah, we know that. But it's, I, I just, I, I don't want to say that Skinner is some sort of defensive stalwart player. He's really not. But I, I think where Skinner can help Eichel, and I think where he helped last year that maybe didn't get enough appreciation was. Skinner is hard to play against on the puck. And what I mean by that is, is, you know, that dog on a bone, if you will, you know, he's, he's aggressive on the puck. He, he'll continue to attack. He, he kind of just goes and goes and goes. He has that motor, right? So it's, I think that that could really help Eichel where, you know, Olsen really isn't that guy and Reiner necessarily isn't that guy either. Right. And that kind of helped Eichel for a guy who, I mean, we've seen him make some nice defensive plays where he won, I mean, he pickpocketed that guy in Columbus and scored. Mm-hmm. He's done a couple of nice things you know, defensively on that Johansson line too. So it's, again, I'm not telling you that Skinner is some sort of defensive wizard here by any means. I, I just think his style in the defensive zone could help Eichel and whoever else, the other, you know, the other guy, the Ford is on the other side, you know, get out of their zone or, or maybe retrieve pucks better, which could be, you know, a problem for them. So that's, that's why I, I think maybe you should kind of start to consider getting Skinner up there. Yeah, like like you said, I mean, they're they're until they start losing, I don't think they're going to make a change. But I do agree with with uh, Mr. T. Johnson's overall point. Yeah, they're they're not being they're not optimal. Uh, they're they're not they're not playing that well together. Um, and then Chad, I apologize if this is exactly what you said before. You know, we started the show, but um, you know, bringing Skinner up, Reinhardt down with um with Johansson, and then putting Sheary up on that first line. So you've got Skinner, Eichel, Sheary. And then I kind of want to see Olofsson with uh, Johansson and, and, and Reinhardt. I think that would actually work out kind of nicely. Um, but yeah, I, I think a shakeup in that regard is is probably not too far in the future. Uh, I think it's going to happen pretty soon, uh, especially if if they you know remain unproductive. But like you said, Olofsson has definitely had his struggles at five on five. Eichel hasn't been perfect, which we've talked about kind of throughout the show here. Uh, I do agree also that Reinhardt has been the best player on that line. Uh, but in saying that, I, I do think putting Skinner and Eichel back together isn't a bad idea, especially considering that I don't think that Johansson necessarily needs to have Jeff Skinner there to keep being productive and keep doing what he does well. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what they do there. But but yeah, the, to, to the person asking the question, yes, that that's very much the case. They're they're not 
great at five on five currently. So Chad, before you respond, let me slip the last question in here. Kip Faircloth, given what we know about the players and what we've seen so far, how would you set up lines and pairs with the current rosters? Sorry, no call-ups. Uh, pairs, I guess I wouldn't touch. I would just maybe change the deployment uh, to answer that easily. Um, lines, you know, I don't want to and that's the kind of where it gets difficult. You know, I, I don't really want to touch that middle set line. They're kind of going now, the fourth line with Larson's going. So maybe, maybe it's a simple switch where you put Skinner up there with Eichel. I, I said, put Skinner up to Eichel, flip Olsen to the right side, and then maybe move Reinhardt down with Johansson and Saboka and see how that goes. I mean, Reinhardt, I mean, Saboka played with Reinhardt. He actually had some of his better numbers last year. So, you know, maybe that works. And then you have Johansson and his kind of Eichel-esque type play where he carries the pucks in the neutral zone and then kind of, you know, that type of thing, which I think Reinhardt can feed off of too. So that's kind of the route I would go. I mean, I know you're keeping Olsen on that top line, but I think getting Skinner up there maybe could help that out a little bit. Do you want to know something interesting about your Saboka reinhardt point? And this okay. is just this just came in, in a, you know, debate I was having earlier in the season when someone told me Saboka was good during the 10-game streak and I disagreed hard. Um, during the 10 game streak last year, Saboka had four games where he was a net positive impact player in terms of expected goals. Do you want to know who was on the opposite or who was on his line in all four of those games? Sam Reinhardt in all six of the games, he had a negative impact without Sam Reinhardt. So I, I agree that, that that could actually work out nicely. Um, so no, I like I like that idea you just uh, put out, and I, I agree on the defensive pairs deployment, like we've talked about earlier in the show, is is really the only thing I would alter there. It's a wrap. It's going to get interesting, boys. Not that it hasn't been already, but right, right. I'm gonna, it's interesting to see kind of where they're going to go from here, especially if they continue to start winning or keep winning. Yeah, it's just it's so it's such new ground. You know what I mean? The, just just a winning team and, and a team that looks like they can at least sustain part of that. You know what I mean? Ability. So it's it's kind of neat, and you're you're kind of looking at all these uh, micro aspects now of <laughs> like how do, how does it sustain? Right? How does it get even better? And that's a fun that's a fun place to be. Versus how do we stop being embarrassing? <laughs> <laughs> For sure. For sure. So I'll get into the little spiel here because the clock says we have five minutes left before it tells me to stop recording a podcast. So. Uh, uh, make sure you are following the podcast on Twitter at BTB Hockey and on Facebook at Beyond the Blade. Uh, you can follow myself at CMD Dominicis, Anthony at Chandra Sports, Bill at Bill Shockey, his personal account. Uh, make sure you subscribe, rate, and share anytime be appreciated on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. It's where you can find our podcast as the most common places, but also really anywhere that's to a podcast, we're probably there. So, you'll find this excellent podcast there. And also make sure you're checking out all the excellent content on dabbetheblade.com. And I think Anthony and I and the other writers there have done a great job so far to start this season, covering the team and the excitement and the fun around winning. So hopefully that keeps up. So make sure you're checking that out and you'll find our podcast there as well. And yeah, as Bill said, kind of before I went into the spiel there, it's, it's an exciting time right now. I mean, it's, it feels different than the 10 game winning streak. I'll, I'll say that in a sense, you know, it feels more real. It feels um, like this team really could be something and surprise all of us or a lot of us, at least um, with what kind of season we could see here. So, you know, we've wanted at least a competitive season for a couple of years around here. You know, we're not hundred percent sure it'll lead to a playoff season, but a competitive season will be a lot more fun than what we've had the last few years. That's for sure. 
Yeah, and coming up, you got Tuesday, San Jose, who's three and five. Thursday, the Rangers, two and four. Friday, Detroit, three and five before the next pod. So, yeah, I mean, take two or three again at least. Winnable games, especially if you get Marty Jones again, who's really bad at stopping pucks. That'd be they, they can't put him out there again, right? <laughs> they can't. I mean, they, they couldn't. They shouldn't yeah. have brought him back, and they did. So, so I wouldn't bad. say that. Yikes. Yeah. All right. So that is it for this week. So thanks for listening uh, for Chad, Bill, and Anthony. Uh, we'll be back next week to evaluate, and maybe they'll be like, there's three games. Let's do the math. I'm a math guy. But put them at – they went all three, what, 10-1-1? One, and one? So that'd be nice. So mm-hmm. we'll, see what we, we'll see what we kind of get here. So thanks for listening. We will talk to you next week. See you later. See you.